Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plushcare. Plushcare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour podcast. Three women, one podcast, and a whole load of badass. I'm Harriet Minter, and I'm here with Emma Sexton and Natalie Campbell. This week, we're talking about why we think it's a good thing the abortion pill can now be taken at home. Plus, would you have a C-section? And the amazing Rebecca Herrera is in the studio, magician and illusionist and the first British woman to full pen and teller. She is going to be reading our minds. Underwear, armpit hair, many imitators, but no one compares. Badass Women's Hour XL with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. One, two, three, four! We're going to start, as ever, with the news from today. Um, so big news today is about the abortion pill. So if you're unaware, it is illegal in the UK for you to take the abortion pill at home. So what happens if you go to your doctor and ask for an abortion pill is there are actually two pills. It's very confusing. There are actually two pills. You take the first one at the doctor's and then you have to go back for the second pill and take it at the doctor's again. And this is not how it is in Scotland and Wales. So in Scotland and Wales, they give you the second pill and you can go home and do it at home. Um, and this week, for the first time, it has now become legal in England for doctors to give women the second abortion pill so they do not have to come back to the doctor's surgery. I think this is excellent. Emma, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I don't know why it's taken so long. I mean, I've read stories, you know, in terms of it must be awful. You take that first pill and then, you know, you've got to get out of the house and get to the doctor's. And, you know, I'm sure that there is stuff happening with your body before that, that mm -hmm. second pill gets taken. And yeah, what was the problem? What do we not trust women to take their own medication? And it's like, and who are you going to hand that second pill? I just can't see the logic in making a woman go back to the doctor's twice for that tablet. So the sort of, I think the logic is that, um, well, I, I think the official kind of medical logic is if anything goes wrong, they want you with the doctor. They want to make sure that you're taking it. They want to make sure that you don't take one and forget to take the second one, that there's sort of medical reasons for it. But I personally think it that came from a place of um, a very paternalistic attitude. Like we don't trust you. Yeah. We, don't, yeah. we don't trust you enough to do but this also, properly. Also, is that not a phone call? Hello, are you all right? How's it going? Like, I don't know. I, I, patient care, Emma. Yeah, patient Where care. That is that such a radical idea? Maybe it is. I don't know. <laughs> Nat, do you think it's responsible or do you think actually we should have kept it as it was? So I'm going to put my hands up here and I didn't actually realise there were two pills. Mm -hmm. I didn't actually, I don't think I realised there was even a pill. Okay. Uh, so now I know there's two pills. But reading through the evidence, so um, John Denham uh, Denghan, who is the deputy chief executive 
of the Protection of Unborn Children Scotland said that the organisation will be pursuing legal action based on this. Um, he believes the determination of the abortion industry to push women to undergo this at home with no medical supervision illustrates their cavalier attitude when it comes to the well-being of women. And I'm torn between, is it better to undergo that sort of physical... Uh, a medical procedure at home in the comfort of your own home or is it better to have to, for it to happen whilst you're in a facility where you can be looked after if something goes wrong and I don't I'm I am actually torn actually I'm not sure which is better so I would say given that the abortion pill can it's for early state very very early stage so pre-10 weeks yes pre-10 weeks yeah. and at that stage, really what we are talking about is almost a medical pregnancy it's you know it's something that doesn't depending on your viewpoint, I guess, but for me, something that doesn't exist as a real pregnancy. So mm -hmm. what we're asking women to go through is really, it shouldn't be something that goes medically wrong. It should be very medically safe. And I think for me, what's more worrying is that we are asking women to kind of go through a second process to go back and be like, sure, you still want to do it? Yes. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Here you go. Um, particularly if actually they are, you know, what happens to your body's bleeding? So you are cramping, mm. you feel a bit horrible. You don't want to actually be in public transport like that. Uh, for most women, we go through that once a month. We know we just want to stay at home with a hot water bottle. Mm. Yeah, I think actually being able to say, do you know what? Let's give you some privacy and some time. That feels to me better. For yeah, them. it must be much more stressful to go back to that doctor's a second time. I don't know about you, but I don't, I don't, you know, you're not skipping to the doctors, are you? <laughs> <laughs> like, no, and I, not. and I do think that psychologically as well, being at home is actually better for your well-being. But I think you know, it's it's also about knowledge, isn't it? I think you know, women need to make sure that they understand what's going to happen mm. when they take the pill. What the because yeah, I think knowledge is power, right? And when you know what's going to happen, even if it's stuff that you don't really want to hear that you're much better prepared you'll be much calm much less stressed it's, it's when you've got the unknown that's what sends everybody into panic so education checking on people but yeah let's so interestingly four in five terminations in england are early medical abortions mm -hmm. so carried out under 10 weeks and so yes in i guess in theory this is making the whole process easier but i'm still swaying backwards because i'm i'm also reading here what if a woman's being hurt? coerced why can't I get my coerced um if she's in again a facility where she doesn't necessarily have a partner next to her she might have the space to say I don't want to do this versus and that that is the thing which so if you are going for I guess what is an older form of abortion where you actually have to go to a clinic and have a procedure um you either tend to go alone or I didn't see many people in there with a man so realistically the co being coerced is 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 to go through it right go through with it right to the end is a lot harder whereas if this is a pill you know there could be other influences there making an individual do it i, I i'm not sure i'm i'm just i'm just you know i i, I need to process process this one i can't be like yes this is this is great but because i can see both sides but probably you should you know that check needs to be done when you first get the pill but while by the time you took the first pill you've probably disrupted the pregnancy anyway haven't you and this is what i just don't understand enough about it and i'm almost like why didn't i connect with this but i didn't realize there were two pills yeah so it's uh so it's like slightly like taking the morning after pill which used to be two it's now just one it's a it's a double check uh, essentially it's a boom uh, and a boom uh, so i i just really feel that i don't want women 
actually having to explain themselves any more than they already have to. So um, can I have until the end of the show to make up my mind? You can have yeah, a thing. You can have as okay. long as you want, babe. Just have the rest of your life to make up your mind, if <laughs> you like. Thanks, yeah. Sam. That's face. Yeah. Uh, listeners, come and tell Nat what she should think. She loves that. <laughs> <laughs> Not. Not. <laughs> so our second story this week is talking about uh, C-sections. Nat, what is going on with C-sections in this country? Um, so... Nice guidance says that women should be allowed to opt for a planned cesarean, even if it's not for medical reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, but women at 75% of maternity units are actually being denied their right to choose one. And this is according to um, research being given to uh, the Victoria Derbyshire show. And it sparked a, a huge debate fundamentally, because if women are saying, I would like to have a cesarean, the answer realistically should be yes and in a lot of cases they're being told no so um of the 46 nhs trusts around the uk that shared their policies 26 percent complied with the guidelines 15 percent refused all elective cesareans so women walking into 15 percent of those trusts were basically just told no without any you know any grounds or any reason any grounds um to be told no and i think it again it's a, another version of women being told what they can and can't do with their bodies um the in terms of where women are given more choices they're actually given more choices in the northwest um in wales if conditions are met they're allowed to have a cesarean and in london uh, there's a larger percentage of nhs trusts that are not giving women the option to a cesarean so, emma would you you would say no to if you were a doctor, you would say no to a woman who wanted an elective cesarean, wouldn't you? I I, I don't think cesareans should be elective, no, because I feel like they're a well, they require a surgeon, it's a, it's a different procedure, the um the effects on the baby are different, and I, I don't I think the cesarean should be there, which traditionally I always thought the cesarean was there for an emergency or for people who could not give birth naturally because of medical reasons because fundamentally we are designed to give birth and I think that there's definitely a problem with the way that women are giving birth and I don't think it's their fault I think that there's an enormous amount of stress that seems to happen during labour from the conversations that I've had with many of my friends many people have had stressful births many of them have had really great births so I do think there's something to be done there, but I think, you know, having giving birth is is must be a really scary thing that you've got that you know you've got coming. And I can see how probably the cesarean looks like perhaps the perhaps it's the better option. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, and I and I, I don't think any woman that's had a cesarean's like well Well see, I actually know quite a few who have. So I know mothers that have had uh elective cesareans mm-hmm. and I know mothers that have had emergency cesareans. And I can tell you that all the mothers that have had emergency cesareans said to me afterwards, I wish I had had an elective cesarean and I should have done that. Yeah, but that's because they've probably been in labour for 72 hours. Yeah. And they're exhausted. And then you have a cesarean, which is, yes, of course you would go. Actually, in hindsight, I'd have an elective because, yeah, of course you would. But I'm not saying that, but no one could have foreseen that that woman would need a 
a cesarean but they can you know this is the thing like actually quite often i have people who people say to me oh you know my doctor said if i want to have a cesarean i can i'm like if your doctor has said if you want to have a cesarean that is them basically saying have a cesarean because no doctor is ever saying no he's saying if you want one they're they're giving the woman the choice which is what you guys just said women need i just personally think that it it no i think no i think that we have a burden on the nhs and i think that if you need a cesarean but isn't it less of a burden on the nhs to have a woman go in have a five minute surgery i mean cesareans are quick you know it's you're not in five you're minutes out. mate you're no. unpacking your whole yeah, whole but they body do it in less than two minutes like literally less than but, it's but fast the, but right the thing is you, so you are, do it fast okay, okay i need a woman no. two hours in labor i need a woman that has had a cesarean to call us now or a man that has yeah. been there timing it was it two <laughs> minutes was it five also, minutes the, did they unpack the whole of your body do they not re- literally remove everything to get the baby out i mean yes. lifting up and out yeah, yeah. but it's fast the Im- and the impact and of a cesarean it's not that because for six weeks you can't do anything well that's what they say for six weeks and for some re- people yeah for six weeks you can't do anything but some people give birth naturally and for the rest of their life are incontinent so you know there are like there are no good yeah, options you got me on here. That one. there are no good options can i be indecisive on this one as well i think i've got decision fatigue generally i don't know i as soon as you said incontinent forever i was like <laughs> give me the cesarean we, but we i are hear desi- your point we too. are designed to have babies and we are designed to have babies well and and safely but, but we're not that's yeah. the point we are not having them well and safely well we're seeing there's a, a rise there. in the number of babies that are being induced we're seeing a rise in the number of women that's having true. pelvic floor problems afterwards yep. we're seeing a rise in the number of women steps but that tearing but that's not about but women are still designed to give birth for hundreds of years they have been given birth so you're saying the process is wrong and something's something going is wrong, going wrong the where these women are having really stressful long labors i know a lot of my friends who've had really stressful long labors and there's been a multitude of issues issues which have not necessarily been about childbirth it's been the the location being in the hospital made them anxious the way they were treated in hospital Mm -hmm. there's been a plethora of reasons Mm -hmm. other than the fact that medically they are struggling i do accept that you know some women will struggle medically but i still think we need to look at how women are supported through that birthing journey any woman has said do you know what i'm in labor but i'm not going to give birth because i'm a bit stressed by the environment i'm just going to drag it out and make it worse so are you telling me that if you're if you go into labor and then your cortisol levels are really high and your stress your stress levels are high, your body is not going to go, hang on a minute, this is not a safe environment for us to put this baby out. you yeah, telling me that I wouldn't think happen? I think that's labour. I think your body feels that anyway. No I, dis- no, I disagree. I know people who've had really amazing births. So I think we need to say that, so for, in your idea, Emma, we should all go back to a world where we're all giving birth at home with midwives, like in the countries where they have super high death in birth rates. I think you need to be supported through giving birth, but I certainly don't think that just going, oh, hang on a minute, birthing is now, I'm hearing lots of horrendous horror stories, I'm just going to go for an elective caesarean. I thank God I live in a, cho- a country where women have the choice, but we would like to know what you think. Uh, do you agree with them? With Emma, should we get rid of elective caesareans? Or... Is it a woman's right to choose? Or, or, no, there's another option. (laughs) Or are you just torn? Do you just not know until the moment in which you get pregnant and you need to have this baby... Getting well, a yeah. baby out is is you're certainly torn if you're in natural childbirth. <laughs> uh, text talk and your message to eight seven triple two. It's twenty five people message on top of your standard network rate. We would love to hear from you if you have had a cesarean or if you had a natural birth and you have a strong view on it. Come and tell us what that is. Uh, so, career advice. I don't know about you, ladies. I love giving people career advice, but apparently, I'm gaslighting them. Emma, what is this about? 
Yeah, so this, well, this article really, um, I can't remember where I got it from. <laughs> anyway, there's an article and it says, all career advice for women is a form of gaslighting. And it was kind of nodding to like the lean in movement with Sheryl Sandberg. And also, but also talking in generally about when you have all these groups or you have all this stuff, it's like, we're empowering women. And it's basically, and I've always kind of seen this perspective it's like it's always the problem with the women mm -hmm. and you know the official explanation of gaslighting is um manipulation by by psychological means into doubting their own sanity and i don't know about you but i definitely feel like in my career you can kind of feel like you are the problem but it's not there's a there's a bigger problem at play so what they're saying is all these things like lean in and empowering women is not is just making women feel like they're the they're the problem and they've got to overcompensate for everything who wrote the article a man no i'm joking I don't. <laughs> so this is the thing i just <laughs> needed no, to check i don't think so there. i don't think, I think so. it's stylist um now you give a lot of you do a lot of mentoring mm -hmm. a lot of supporting people do you think that this kind of because there are a lot of let's fix the women programs mm -hmm. Do you think it's helpful or does it hinder? So let's say women aside, I think supporting anyone to realize that they have uh, personal power, agency, um, this isn't a term that everyone is familiar with, but it, it, it basically says that you have an ability to change your environment and your mm -hmm. circumstance. It depends on how you think and how you interact with it. Um, enabling anyone to understand that is important and i think it's one of the things that most entrepreneurs have so what i try and teach people or explain to people is how to just be entrepreneurial in your life because you will just navigate good bad and hopefully get to where you want to get to i think there has been a growing trend towards people saying oh we can make money out of women by teaching them how to lean in or whatever whatever you want to call it and especially in a movement where we're trying to be paid the same or more we're trying to be on the board in a, in a in an era where we are you know basically striving to break glass ceilings there is definitely room for manipulation but i think but the thing is you see this a lot don't you in terms of yeah women you can do everything la 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 but but are we ignoring you know, the fundamental fact that you can teach somebody all the skills mm -hmm. that they need to be successful. You just said that. I really enjoy, that's something that I enjoy is mentoring, supporting women. Yeah. But if if structural and societal things are already stacked against them, is that not a form of gaslighting in terms of making people believe they can be anything they want, but ultimately ignoring the challenges that they might be facing as a woman, as a minority? No, I think you, you acknowledge that. But what you say is, I can always find a way. Mm. I am masterful, I am more creative, I am entrepreneurial. And if that route's closed, then I have enough skills to figure out a new route or determine a, complete, a completely new option or jump over the hurdle or go on, you know, go under the wall, whatever it is, you can always find another way and you don't let it overwhelm you. The point around making you think that you're in, you know, the sanity bit, it is, it's hard work. Mm. <laughs> if you're in a system that is fundamentally stacked against you, and doesn't like you. So if you're in an all-male environment, in an all-male workplace, and they're like, it's bro culture or nothing, and you therefore have to conform to a culture that is anti-you, it will wear you down. Like, I do not, um, you know, there, there's no bones about it. But then I would say, if, if you, you know, do you really want to be there? And mm. if that is your only option, and you can stomach it, 
you know, go for your life. But if not, leave. There's always an alternative. So I, uh, I've actually run programs. I've run programs and I have charged people for them, which is about how to get ahead at work. Mm-hmm. Uh, so generally I try and charge the corporates rather than the women because I yep. feel that's that is the, <laughs> their fault, the problem they exist, so yeah. they should pay for the fix. Um, and I do exactly that, which is I say, look, this is not what we want the system to look like, but this is what the system looks like right now. Mm-hmm. So to get ahead in this system, this is what you do. And then when you get to a position where you have some power, you change this it. is what mm. you need to change. Which I think is different. I do believe that Sheryl Sandberg's book, Lean In, which I think is out of day now. Wasn't it the anniversary this year of that yeah, book? Yeah, it's, it's like, like 10 years. years old. No, it's not. It's five or six years is old. It only which five shows how, years much, old. how much has changed in five years. Which is good because I do remember when that came out and it was all about women leaning in. And it was it was all about us fixing what was not really mm-hmm. our problem. And that always bugged me about that. Yes, but you know, we just we discussed this. If you are in that system and it's working in the system that you're in today, there are certain things that if you knew might just help you survive and get through it. But it is about trying to change it and you can only really change it when you get to the top or you are an activist at the bottom shouting hoping that someone's going to hear you. But it really depends on where you are. Yeah. Uh what's the best piece of career advice either of you have ever been given? Um, oh, actually, the best advice that I've been given was actually from my dad, who told me to not work harder, to work smarter. And that mm. became my mantra. The very day he said that, I think it was about 27, I was freaking out when I was doing my MA part-time and making a massive drama out of what was not really a drama. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my God, that essay was so hard and I just got an average mark and oh, it's so time consuming, so stressful. And he's like, Emma? You don't need to work harder on your next assignment. You need to work smarter. You need to understand what the examiners are going to look at. So now whenever I do something, I'm always like, right, what's the outcome that I need? What's the smartest way to get there? It's literally, I live my life by it now. Yeah. So it used to be no is a question, not an answer. And that helped me realise that you know, if someone didn't give me the answer that I wanted, I know I just needed to work harder in terms of the information I was giving them to get it to the yes. But now I think it's, a um, will this matter in five minutes? <laughs> <laughs> that is a good one. I like that. What, what about you? Oh, proceed until apprehended. Yeah, yeah. that's brilliant. Yeah, I love always. that. Proceed I use that quite a lot, actually. That's my second life mantra inspired <laughs> by you. Uh, so coming up, we are going to be talking about dating and particularly new dating trends. So did you know it's becoming commonplace to ditch your date just before you're due to meet up? How touch, rude. Touch. We are going to have the fantastic Rachel Thompson on the phone telling us all about it. That's coming up here next on Badass Women's Hour XL. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. 
My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Badass Women's Hour XL on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. Welcome back to Badass Women's RXL with me, Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton. Uh, so, we are going to talk dating trends. Ghosting, obviously, mm-hmm. we all know ghosting. Uh, both of you been ghosted at some point or other? I have yep. definitely, been, definitely, <laughs> definitely been ghosted and ghosted others. <laughs> yeah. Emma, have you ghosted anyone? No, I'm quite a grown up about it. I don't. I'm not afraid to have the conversation and go. You know what? Really nice, not into it. Circumstances have changed. Okay, back in the day, have you ghosted someone? Right? It, uh, you didn't know it was called ghosting before she was a grown up. Yeah, exactly. I've, yeah. Always, I've been a grown up since the age of like nine. <laughs> <Harriet>. <laughs> um, yes, I think I was emotionally mature in my twenties. No, probably yes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, apparently the new one is cloaking and on the phone now to tell us all about it, we have Rachel Thompson, senior reporter at Mashable. Uh, Rachel, what is cloaking? (laughs) Well, (laughs) as the term might suggest, it's basically like throwing an invisibility cloak over yourself at the most (laughs) unexpected moment. (laughs) Yeah, little Harry Potter reference for you. Did you come up with that term, Rachel? Yes. Well, actually, in a, in a conversation with my colleague, I was like, right, we need a word for what's happened to me. And he gave me this, he was like cloaking. And I was like, yeah, that's exactly what's happened to me. So tell us, tell us about the story that brought us to this new word. Well, it was a saga. But the, uh, I think the short version is uh, that basically I went, I was asked to dinner by a man I met on Hinge. And I, um, he blocked me as I was waiting for our table. So, um, yeah, what a lovely man. Um, basically, he, I, yeah. <laughs> he blocked you um, on Hinge or? On everything. So um, we had matched earlier that week and we had started talking about our shared love of pasta. And he mentioned it's a restaurant. It's a great love, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I was just like, well, this could be a man that I might marry. Yeah, me of course. Beard, and he yeah. loves pasta. So what's not to love? Um, and I was like, okay, this sounds promising. And we we had lots of banter back and forth, mostly carbohydrate related. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then he mentioned um, my favourite restaurant, um, Padella. And he was like, oh, I've just been to Padella. And I was like, hmm, interesting. That's my favourite restaurant. So clearly, you're the one for me. <laughs> and, uh, and I told him, I was like, oh my god, amazing. And then he said, well, I'm always looking for someone to go with. Um, do you want to go? And I was like, absolutely. Then he asked me when, and uh, we suggested Thursday. So that was last Thursday. And um, he then sent me a follow-up message on Wednesday night being like, still on for tomorrow? I was like, yes, here's my number, text me. So in the morning, I get to work. And before 9am, he sent me a message saying, hello, it's your favourite pasta buddy here. Still on for tonight? And I'm like, yes, (laughs) as I've mentioned before. (laughs) (laughs) And then, and then he asks me, you know, how I feel about burrata and all of this stuff. So again, with the strongly Italian positive, food. yeah, yeah. I was like, well, yeah, obviously. <laughs> and um, yeah, then uh, I we agreed a time. We were going to meet just after five, 
And uh, as I'm, well, fast forward to the end of the day, and it's five o'clock, and I put my favorite dress on, got my favorite lipstick on, and I'm listening to Ariana Grande, and I'm on my way out the door, <laughs> and I send him a text, and I'm like, I'll be there in 20 minutes. See ya. And I'm like walking along, and 20 minutes comes and goes. And I'm like, hmm, it would have been nice to have gotten a response. So I go into WhatsApp, because that's, that's where our kind of communication had migrated by this point. Yeah. And um, I see that I only get that instead of the double tick, I just had a, I just had one tick. Oh. Oh. <laughs> so this was where I was like, um, what? So I text my best friend and I was like, what does it mean when you only get this one tick? <laughs> and, <laughs> and I think I knew the answer. Yeah. But, but I was. You've got to check. <laughs> and um, she was like, Oh, it just means he hasn't received it yet. It's not been delivered. He's probably on like the a good best like, friend. Your yeah, friend is a good yeah, person. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, lives in a state of denial, but yeah, <laughs> um, it's fine. <laughs> um, so I was like, okay, right. I'm going to remain optimistic. So I decided at this point to try and text him. And uh, yeah, I just was like, hey, I've tried to WhatsApp you. It doesn't seem to be working. But just to let you know, I'm going to be at the restaurant in a few minutes. Again, nothing. So I'm like... Anyway, I walked past a burger point, a burger joint at this point, and I was like, well, if I get stood up, I can at least go there for dinner instead of Padella. So, <laughs> so I was like, okay. But I was like, that's not going to happen. So I, I walk up to the restaurant, I get in line, and it's quite a fast-moving queue. So I was like, oh, my God, what, what's going on? So I go into the Hinge app at this point, and I'm like, right, I just want to double-check that everything's all right. And right before my eyes, the messages that he and I had exchanged just disappeared. <gasps> and then... And then I tap out of the conversation and he's just vanished from my matches. And I was like, what is going on? Even at this point, I was like, is it my internet connection? <laughs> oh, oh, no, mate. <laughs> no. <laughs> it was not my internet connection. So, um, yeah, um, I was like, I text my friend. I was like, I don't understand what's going on. Like, is, she was like, maybe he accidentally unmatched you. We've all done it. I, like, I haven't. Oh, you got to love your mate. <laughs> I know. I was like, thank you, but no. Um, so I went around the corner and had a glass of wine and waited for 20 minutes, which is what my friend told me to do. And of course, he didn't show up. And then I just went, I just got in an Uber and told my Uber driver what happened. And he was outraged on my behalf. But it was only the next day that I thought, you know, I've never actually heard anyone, because it's not quite like being stood up. It felt like slightly beyond that. Yeah. You know, there was an element of ghosting to it. And there's that and weird element of actually, you know, taking the time to properly disappear himself. Mm. He doesn't yeah. want you sending him any messages saying, where are you? He's he's stopping it. Yeah. So I think he'd not only blocked me on WhatsApp and Hinge, but he'd also blocked me like on the phone carrier as well. No way. Because I'd... I tried to call him, didn't go through. <gasps> I, I was just, just like no way of contacting him at all. So you found well, him on social media? Oh, I did. <laughs> and? and? The, thing about, the thing about Hinge is you get, unlike Tinder and Bumble, you get their surname. <gasps> so I had already looked this person up. I'm sorry, but it's a thing that most daters do. Oh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Google your date before yeah. you go out with them yeah. just to make sure that they're a real person. So I'd done that, obviously, and I'd found where he works and, and everything. His mother's maiden name. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I was like, well, I have this person's literal, his office telephone number and his email address. I could email his work if I wanted to, but I didn't do that. Well restrained. So thanks. Appreciate that. But I, <laughs> instead, I just found him on Facebook and 
my my colleague, the one who actually came up with the term cloaking, he helped me compose a quite restrained message, just telling him that, you know, this is not how one behaves in polite society. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it showed, I was just like, it just shows an absence of respect. And if you didn't want to go on this date, the one that he had, you know, invited me on, then followed up on and then followed up on again, if you didn't want to go out, go out with me, just tell me I'm a big girl, I can handle it. So, yeah. So anyway, since this never... has happened, have you now been? Yeah. Have you now heard from other people for whom the same thing has happened? Yeah, I've been inundated actually with no. like tweets and messages. So many other people have had this, and because it's like it's not it's not just being stood up. Because at least with you know back in the old days before like online dating, if you if you went out on a date with someone, you had their phone number, yeah. and you know chances are you'd be able to ring them and be like, what the hell? But in this day and age now, we have so many barriers behind this like phone screen that you can just quite easily just block someone and erase them from your life mm. so it's like why do people find it so hard to be a grown-up do you know what i mean like if he'd have phoned you if he'd have phoned you at lunchtime and said i'm really sorry i know i said we'd go out tonight but actually circumstances have changed and i'm not up for dinner anymore how would you yeah. have felt about that i'd have felt great because i would have gone home and, just <laughs> yeah. had and gone to bed and, and not wasted any makeup there's nothing worse than wasting makeup okay. yeah. so rachel exactly. i i kind yeah. i can empathize with um your date partly because you? i do this to tradesmen all the time <laughs> recently over the last few weeks as i've been getting my house done but that's a by the by right. point our producer who is yes. who's male this week actually said he's married yeah, he right. went straight in and was like, yeah. "He's married," and, he's and he got out. caught out at the last minute and needed to remove so. all evidence. Mm. Yeah, I would agree with that. That did actually cross my mind as yeah. well. At uh, first, I was like, "Is this an elaborate?" It's bizarre. Did he ever have any intention of showing up, you know? I mean, Rachel, if you send me his name, I'll follow him on Instagram and find out for you. (laughs) My message on Facebook would have been, I know where you live. (laughs) Yes. Well, thanks. Rachel, I mean, it's such... It's a terrible story, but it's also a great story. And I love the term cloaking. I, I think Brilliant. it's genius. And I love your humour with it. The fact that you wrote about it, gave it a name, yes. and well, are yeah. now engaging people in conversation. I think exactly. we have to now take dating as a light-hearted endeavour because if yeah. you take it too yeah. seriously, you just lose the will yeah. to function or live because it is, it's hell on earth. And Rachel, what is Hinge, please? I mean, <laughs> yeah, what is I, Hinge? I knew what Tinder... I, oh, yeah. Hinge is actually... The thing. The sad thing is, I really like Hinge as a dating app. It's like a non... So it's a non-swiping dating app. They used to be... They used to have a swiping-based user experience and then they got rid of that. And now it's kind of like... It actually encourages people to interact with each other because I've found on Bumble and Tinder people don't really talk to each other. Yeah. But Hinge, Hinge, you fill out... like There's three things that you fill out on your profile, like... I know, like, who your teenage crush was and all of these various, like, fun facts about yourself. And people can, like, reply to them, almost like it's social media. Mm -hmm. But you only really get to interact with them if you like them back. So Mm -hmm. rather than this kind of, like, gamified uh, dating app experience, it's more, like, meaningful engagement. So I really like it, except for this one quite big mishap yeah but you know what i just think when when guys do this it just does you a massive favor because you're just like well oh, yeah. you just showed me who you really are haven't yeah. you so yeah. lucky escape it was like it? he wasted two hours of my life but he could have wasted several several evenings actually yeah. or several years eventually. god can you imagine if it god. went well and then you were with him for i mean if he had oh, no. in a relationship with someone else like imagine that's your boyfriend rachel have you well, heard yeah. from anybody who has actually done this has anybody fessed up to you that they no. 
No. Mm. No one's dead. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I'd be very receptive to that. But no, someone did say that, you know, perhaps like people are just really afraid of the kind of, you know, they're so hidden behind the screen that the kind of the confronting or like Mm. actually like going face to face with someone is such a daunting prospect that perhaps you know, they could have been just so nervous. But I was like, no. you know, okay, you could have just... But I don't. I feel like it's, there's an, almost like an unkindness in going out of your way to, like, blanket block someone, you know? And also mm. just make up an excuse, don't you? Say, oh, I'm so sorry, my dog's been run over, I've got to go. Like, you know, <laughs> you just make up an excuse. So you don't cloak then, Harry, you just come up with some I really good excuses, lie. don't you? Old-fashioned dating yeah. me, I'm just a liar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel, thank you so much for sharing that with us. It's a great story. Well, Rachel Thompson, Senior Lifestyle Reporter at Mashable. Uh, If that has ever happened to you or if you have done it to someone, we'd love to hear your stories. Have you ever been cloaked? Uh, Text talk any message to 87222. It's 25p per message on top of your standard network rate. And we can get you to come and have a chat with us here in the studio. I think that dating today has got a bit weird and complicated. Emma, you've got Mm. another article on this from this this week haven't you yeah i have so it's it's in relation to um a new netflix series that's out um which is called hang on you call oh elder millennial and a it's lot a of stand up isn't it oh is it yeah people are just taught uh, the, the sort of general gist of the article and the show is about sort of dating in your 20s and this girl talking about how she would like wander around a club and wait for a guy to select her or just notice that she had this amazing personality by glancing at her across the bar <laughs> and I read it and I was like oh I think that was me in my 20s and I think we the other week we were yeah. all together and Natalie you were saying like we were That's talking what I'm waiting and, for. I, and I suddenly got me thinking about where did we get this like twisted view of dating? Because what I know about dating now, like I would never go and hang in a bar and <laughs> wait for a guy to notice me. But like that is exactly what I was doing in my twenties. Were you? And it worked. Yeah, that's the joy of being yeah, in your twenties, well, isn't it? Yeah, it, it did. did. You, you just but also just turn I up and think it's there. different because. So a friend of mine has this theory, which is that nowadays nobody actually approaches anybody because if we want to date somebody, Mm. we will pick up our phone and open an app and swipe through. We never actually think about bringing dating into real life situations. Mm. Yes. When was the last time either of you actually asked anyone out in real life? Uh, Well, I wouldn't do it but I would certainly flirt with someone in real life. You know about my dating rules. Yeah. I don't take control. I like, I would, but I will, I would make eye contact with somebody. I would smile at somebody. I would talk to somebody. Yeah. In real life. I, I, I can't does. even. I do. I do. She does. She will And I'm open to just chatting to people. She will, she will just chat and she will flirt, but, but would, she's not going no. to make the ask. No. Would you ever say you should ask me out? Yes. Okay. Nat, have I asked her in real life? Uh, I, yeah, on dating apps, in person, have I asked anyone out in real life? I don't think so. I think on the, on the apps, I've got all the game, all the chat, all the game. I can get them to the drink. In person, I'm a complete wuss. I can have a panic attack and meltdown. <laughs> so if you ever get cloaked by Nat, now you know why. <laughs> the Vampire Strikes Back. Badass Women's Hour XL on Talk Radio. Now it's time. A little magic. I'm so excited about this part of the show because I am a magic geek. And if you're also a magic geek, then you probably know about Penn and Teller, two of the 
biggest, most important, longest standing magicians in the world. They have a show called How to Fool Us where they get up and coming magicians on the show and see if they can create tricks which fool Penn and Teller. Our guest, Rebecca Herrera, was the first British woman to fool them. And here's the moment she did it. We think that someone else besides the people watching at home and 500 people here is also watching and is also helping you but we uh can't seem to figure out exactly how they're helping teller did check your ears he checked very very carefully in your ears we think you might be getting uh i don't know we don't want to we, we want is not the right word we're not allowed to go all tsa on you and search you um <laughs> So uh, it seems like we should uh, we should know how you got that information. That seems like that's the whole trick. And it seems like if we don't know how you got the information, the boat into your head, it seems like I should put my pad down and say that you uh, fooled us. Rebecca, welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, it's a here. big deal to fool Penn and Teller because mm-hmm. throughout the show they have what sort of six to eight magicians on in any one show. I think they have four in any four one in show, show, but yeah, and it's not many of them fool them, right? No, I think they try to have one fooler per show, but yeah, wow. it's not a lot of people. Um, can you tell us about the trick and what you did? You obviously don't have to tell us how, although I would love it. But <laughs> you have to. What the trick was that filled them? Yeah, absolutely. So. I talk to everybody about how I can see with my ears and basically that means that I can listen to the sound of a pen drawing on paper and then kind of visualise what's been drawn in my mind Um, and I drew a circle to kind of demonstrate that to everybody and then got them all to close their eyes and I drew a square and everyone could guess that and so I was like okay let's do something a little bit more complicated and I got Teller up on stage which was terrifying. And um, I got him to, you know, like check me over, blindfold me. And then I got him to draw something on the board. And then I told everybody what he'd drawn. And you got it right. I did. I got it right, luckily. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. And how long have you been doing this for? Um, Only two years I've been doing mentalism, actually. So not really that long compared to some other people. (laughs) So... You know, you wake up one day and you go, I'm going to be a mentalist. How did that happen? Who inspired you? And then how do you get started? Because it's not like there's a very, I'm sure, I'm guessing it's not a linear kind of, you do this, you do this, you do this. No, no, I think people get in in quite a few different ways. Um, So I, while I was at university, this was more than two years ago, I had a friend who was a magician And it was really exciting. And I kind of helped her out a bit with some of her tricks. And it was really interesting being on that side of it. Harriet, you'll probably... I would love it. I would absolutely... (laughs) She wants to be your assistant. My dream is to be a magician's assistant. I would love it. Yeah. Or you could be a magician. Oh my... What was I even saying? (laughs) I would definitely be a magician. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. Yes. Yeah. So (laughs) I started by helping her out with some stuff. And it was just so intriguing being on that side of it and from there so my background is in performance and so I kind of just was really interested in the way that people work and the way people's minds work and found mentalism through that so that was my kind of way into magic and this whole 
background world of amazingness that people don't get to see. Mm. And have you created this? This is, is this trick unique to you? I know there's quite a lot of magic tricks and the fundamentals are the same, but but the performers sort of dress it up in a different way. But is this a, a is this a trick that you've created yourself? So I don't know anyone else who does this trick. I don't know for sure that no one else has ever thought of this way, but I'm pretty sure it's unique. Wow. So I watched a movie called, I think, is it Now You See Me? Great movie. Very into it. Yeah. And they're, they're <laughs> mentalist. So one's a mentalist, one's an illusionist, one does cards and one does Basically, they put in these big feats and con lots of people out, out yeah. of lots of money. And I was like, this is amazing. And I think it's number two where they open and they, they steal some money in Paris or something. Uh-huh. And so when I read the, the write-up of you speaking to someone overseas, I was like, it's real. <laughs> it's a really good movie. And I, I, I do think there is something about how you can, how, how, how the mind works and how magicians and illusionists and mentalists manipulate the mind. I, I'm saying manipulation because I don't know what it is you're actually doing. Uh-huh. But it, basically trick us to think something has happened or maybe it's not happened but you just don't know and that's the thing that gets us the not knowing yeah I think that's a big part of magic is everyone's desire to know how it was done I think that's what drives a lot of people to see it there's been a lot of people like online guessing Mm -hmm. how I did it um I haven't seen any correct ones yet but (laughs) (laughs) what's your background have you studied a lot about psychology like I'm just wondering you know what is it that you had to read or understand to allow you to create such an intriguing trick or are you giving away your secrets (laughs) 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 well I guess I did psychology at school and I was always really interested in it and then um didn't really touch it for a while because I was kind of performing and working on training and performing and then it just kind of really tied in with what I was studying and I kind of got this spark of interest in it again. And I've, I couldn't name anything in particular, but I've read a lot of stuff on psychology and obviously like mentalism things. And there's a whole bunch of stuff out there and it's all really, really intriguing. What is the core of mentalism? The core of mentalism, I'd say, is um, showing people the potential of the mind. Mm-hmm. So going, this is kind of what, is normal but also you could do this and then showing these amazing things that your mind could do if you only let it so but okay (laughs) (laughs) so many so many many questions questions there there. i mean uh so the things like hypnotism and um do do mentalists use hypnotism i don't i know other people do but that's not a big subject for me okay and so when you say it's getting the mind to realize it can do things it didn't know it could like how is there manipulation within that i guess it depends on who's doing it and how they're doing it but um i guess things you can see it with are things like people who have amazing memories that can memorize whole decks of cards and that seems impossible but they are doing that Mm -hmm. and it's incredible and things like that and how you can train yourself to see with your ears, that sort of thing. <laughs> Amazing. I understood. So it's less about the in, the subject that's that's having the trick done to them and more about what the, the individual doing the trick can do with their mind. Yeah, I think it's about, for me, it's about unlocking potential and showing audiences these kind of exciting possibilities. It's something like, okay. look what's happening here. If you tried this, maybe you could do it too. It's about showing there's 
potential and possibilities they might not have realized. Understood. Now I see why you want to be a magician, Harry. I, yeah. It's fascinating. Yes. Uh, I'm so excited because we're going to have a live demonstration. Live demonstration. Yes. So, <laughs> Rebecca, you are going to show us a magic trick. Right. I am. And we have your onstage partner, Valerie Spell. I yes. really, I honestly, Valerie, I hope so much that that is your real name and you were born with it and that's what made you become a magician. Uh, it is my real name. Yay! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so it's my parents who um, got me into magic. So. I love it. <laughs> so Valerie is in Tucson, Arizona in the United States. We are all here in London. Rebecca, what are we going to do? So um, I've been particularly interested recently in personalities and different personalities and the way they affect the decisions that we make um so i don't know if you've heard of myers briggs before yeah. mm -hmm. you have yeah wonderful just in case anyone hasn't um it's a personality type indicator which breaks personalities down into four letters and each letter indicates a different personality trait and so with myers briggs there's only 16 possible personality types um because there's only two different traits in each category but me and valerie have been thinking about it and we feel like there should be a third letter in each category because sometimes people don't have any particular preference towards one of the existing traits yeah. and if you did have a third letter in each category there would be 64 personality types mm -hmm. rather than 16 and so we've been doing a lot of research and having quite a lot of practice and we feel like we can use these 64 personality types to predict the type of decisions that someone is likely to make okay um, it's not an exact science yet, but we thought we'd try something on you today. Amazing. Um, so I have a deck of cards here. Very magic. <laughs> and in a moment, I'm going to ask you all to pick one. Um, and I don't want you to just pick randomly. I want you to have a look and really choose the card you feel most drawn to, the one that's standing out the most to you. Um, so actually, I'll come round to you first, Harriet, if that's okay. okay. I get to go first. So <laughs> Harry is Honestly, like I, li I just love it. I know what card I'm going to pick already. Do you know what card you're going to pick? I know yeah. what card right. I'm going to pick. Okay. So you can have a look through if there's a particular one. What Does it matter that you can see card? them? Mm. No. No, no. Then I have to fight you for yours. Okay. Uh, <laughs> arm wrestle. Okay. Mm. Did you, oh, that's Thank good. You didn't you. pick that. Okay. Can I get... I feel like I've picked an obvious card. I haven't. Do you think? <laughs> I get you, Emma, yeah. Yeah. Hang on, that could be really quick. I know which one I want. I don't think Harriet got it. <laughs> I think we're all the same Myers Briggs personality type, by the way, which might make this really either oh, really boring. Or... Hang on. Yeah. Emma's, okay. Emma really knows which one she wants. Yeah, I do. Just show yeah. me yours, Harriet. Good. Mm. Oh no, you How didn't get it. Okay. Natalie, can you pick one too? Good stuff. Mm -hmm. So now you've all got a card. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to speak again. And Valerie's going to take over. Okay, Valerie. Hey, everyone. Um, like Hi. you said, I'm speaking to you from Tucson, Arizona, which is 5,293 miles away from the studio. Wow. And to really get a sense of who you are and therefore which card you might have chosen, I'll need to ask you a few questions. Okay. So, Harriet. We'll start with you. Okay. Um, would you rather be too hot or too cold? Too cold. Okay. And when you get a message or an email, do you like to reply straight away or think about your reply for a while? I mean, 
I like to pretend I haven't received it and hide from it for a really long time. So I probably think about my reply for a while. Okay, so I'm thinking you've chosen the Queen of Clubs. I have! (laughs) How did you get it from that? That is amazing. Two questions and she got that. Just two. I'm so obvious. Okay. Okay. Emma, now, which one do you want next? Now, Emma, my first question for you is, do you prefer sweet or savory food? Savory. Okay. And do you ever do anything out of sheer curiosity? All the time. All right. So from that, I'm going to say you picked the two, no, the, the ace of hearts. Oh my God. Yeah. I did. did you? <laughs> yeah. No way. Oh, we're going three for three. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So for you, Natalie, mm-hmm. is it more important to win a debate or make sure the person you are debating with doesn't get upset? Oh, uh, to make, oh. to win. <laughs> I don't no, to make sure the okay. other person doesn't get upset. Yeah. Okay. And when you go on vacation, do you like to plan everything out or leave space to be spontaneous? Spontaneous. Okay. So I'm actually not 100% sure on this one because your answers weren't quite what I was expecting, but I'm going to say the two of spades. That is correct. No <laughs> way. <laughs> That's wow. amazing. <laughs> that is amazing. Thank you all so so much for being a part of our, our demonstration. No problem. Here. I'll tell you what though, I wasn't keeping a really strict eye on Rebecca here. <laughs> yeah. So I don't be doing any like secret I don't know, you could have like why I don't know, you could have like some secret camera on you. <laughs> I don't know, I'm getting suspicious now. (laughs) What's that thing on your necklace? I don't know, I'm getting super suspicious now. Like, how (laughs) do you trust anyone? Um, (laughs) It's a fabulous Valerie spell. Thank you very much. Rebecca, you saw how much, like, how much fun we've had just doing (laughs) that. Is that the best part of your job that everyone just loves it? Yeah, it is. When people are really enjoying it, it's really great. I think sometimes you get audiences who are sitting there trying too hard to work out how you're doing it (laughs) and you're getting no reaction from them because they're just staring at you the whole time but when people are really enjoying it that's really great and that's what it's about is people enjoying it yeah Um, why do you think there's not many um female magicians because when we were doing the production meeting and saw that you're on the the list we i was sitting there thinking i couldn't name a female magician but i could name loads of male magicians just wondered why why you thought that was so and if that's kind of impacted you and wanting to be a magician yeah um i think there's a few different reasons I feel like the fact that there's not very many female role models in magic that you're exposed to at a young age is quite a big thing um, because you're not seeing people and thinking, oh, I wish I could be like her, Mm -hmm. like you are with other careers. Um, And I also feel like it's maybe a kind of boy-girl gender assumption from quite a young age. Like, I know my brother had a magic kit and quite often boys get given magic kits and girls don't. And so boys are started off on a young age and then girls, if they do get into it, maybe get into it a bit later on and so haven't had their entire childhoods to learn how to do these things. I think that's quite a big thing. Um, Do you think it's a bit of a way for 
boys I've always thought for boys it's kind of you get into magic to impress girls and that sort of then skews it again doesn't it because it makes it this sort of I've never had a man uh, do a magic yeah. trick to try and impress me I mean I'm open like, to it but where did you grow up Kent <laughs> <laughs> it's not a lot to do in Kent to be honest okay. um, no it comes from pick up artist community where they're always teaching them how to do magic tricks oh, so go, that's yeah. not magic is it yeah no it's not but do you think that kind of does it feel like because also the magic circle which are you a member of the magic circle i'm not a member of the magic circle <gasps> Why not? that's an outrage they didn't admit women for a really long time did no they? not until 1991 wow. wow which yeah it was not that long ago at all <laughs> um and actually only 75 percent of them voted to include women in the magic circle at the time did they now yeah God. <laughs> you're like why Fools. isn't it 100 um <laughs> But yes, yeah, so women originally weren't admitted and it used to kind of be, there's this phrase that's used quite a lot, which is kind of an old boys club. Mm. Um, and originally the Magic Circle was one of the kind of industrial revolution, men's only societies. There were lots of societies popping up at the time. Um, and so, yeah, women weren't really included at that point. And then, and especially because women were definitely seen as inferior then. <laughs> um, and so it just, I guess it just took them a long time to... To come around to, to it. come around to it. Who, who do you yeah. admire as a magician now? Who do you kind of look up to and go, oh, yeah, they're doing some really interesting stuff? Mm, that's interesting. I So I really admire Debbie McGee um, as a magician in general and the fact that she was one of the first people to get into the magic circle, actually, as a woman. Um, because a fascinating choice because we always think of her as a magician's Assist- assistant, yeah. but she's not. That's just where my no, head so she at. got that's into not. the magic circle yeah. in her own right. But... Yeah people i guess don't really know about that yeah okay so i'm gonna uh, admit something when you said magician there magician in my mind is gendered oh, when you right. say magician i instinctively think, think man, man. Yeah. yeah like is in the two they they are so <laughs> entwined and every time we say it i i think yeah. man it it's is so seen. gendered yeah. in yeah. my mind but i used to have a magic trick as a kid i love magic, magic set. me too yeah. there was one that they used to sell in argos it was black and it had all of the different yeah um, had about 10 tricks on, on the front <laughs> that. Yeah, yeah. yeah probably every, we all we all had it <laughs> i think it lasted till boxing day and then everything <laughs> broke um so very 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 gendered but i actually see more potential with other words so like the mentalist and stuff for for more people to come through for more talent to come through because i can't actually think of that many magicians i can think of the illusionists so your darren browns and yeah, dynamo there's not even and many female mentalists apart from yourself rebecca i feel thing. like you need to be this massive sensation do you now. not think i'm just saying is it not a whole industry shake up just to say actually mad ma- magic is a much broader industry there are lots of bits to this yeah i feel like there is a lot of that happening at the moment mm. and especially with kind of the increase in women in magic there's definitely been an increase in female magicians recently um and i feel like fool us penitella fool us in america is quite a big part of that because mm. they list people and introduce people as the type of magic that they do mm. yeah. which is helpful and um Penn recently had an interview where he was talking about fool us and the amount of female magicians of all different mm. types they've had on there and how many of them have fooled them mm. um and it was, I think it was five out of six wow. of the female wow. magicians they had on. So it's such a small percentage of the people they have on are women, but such a high percentage so of women. Can you give me them. some types of magic then? Um, some types of magic. Mm-hmm. So illusions is quite a big thing. Mm-hmm. So things like the big boxes and box jumpers, yeah. um, that sort of thing. Um, card magic, sleight of hand. Basically the things that you were talking about and now you see me are kind of mm-hmm. quite major categories. But what are their specific names? So illusionist... 
mentalist, mentalist. Yes. I do. Um, I'm not sure if Car Magicians has a. Okay. So we've got Car Magicians. Um, oh, there's all sorts of things. <laughs> you have to go investigate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Rebecca, what are you doing next? What's coming next for you? Um, so I will be returning to Vegas at yeah. the end of September. I will be performing. This is the prize for Flawless. Um, I will be performing on Penn and Teller's show. Wow. In the room in Vegas. That's great. Which is exciting. Yeah. And then I've got some stuff coming up in or some exciting stuff coming up in America that I can't talk about yet. Um, and some stuff coming up in London with a magician called Tony Middleton who is really up for promoting women's magic and he has a show in london called the magic hour and so i'm hopefully going to be working with him sometime soon great oh, i'm excited and if people like me want to follow you and find out where you're <laughs> going to be next and we'll come and watch more tricks to see if they can work out how to do them yes. where can they find you um so i'm on instagram and twitter as rebecca l herrera yep. and on facebook as rebecca herrera brilliant Rebecca it has been delightful being fooled by you tonight thank, thank you, you so much for coming in Joyce the fabulous Rebecca Herrera One, two, three, it is of course time for our badass principle of the week Nat what is it this week our badass principle this week is it's okay not to know and it's based on the fact that our first few news stories while you two were vehemently disagreeing <laughs> I was like I'm just not sure this week. I'm not sure where I stand. I need to reflect. And I still don't know where I stand. So I'm going to keep it at that. That's it. It's okay not Emma, to know. Emma, how are you interpreting it's okay not to know this week? Well, I think I think it relates quite a lot to the show, doesn't it? Because that magic trick. I really no enjoyed idea. that trick. I have no idea how she did it. And then uh, Rachel, who we talked about her date where that guy disappeared. I think it's all right not to know what happened to him, really, isn't it? So I think that actually, yeah, it's okay not to know. You don't need to know. It's all right. So I really liked what you said there, which is um, about the magic trick, because one of the reasons that I love magic, and if you've only just joined us, you did not hear me getting completely overexcited <laughs> about a card trick earlier in the show. Uh, one of the reasons I love it is because I spend so much of my life learning about things and knowing the answers and things. Mm. It's really nice to be in a space where you just don't know, yeah. and the whole joy is in not knowing. And actually, sometimes when you find out the answer, it's not as great. Mm -hmm. So I think I'm going to try and apply that to the rest of my life because I, because of where I am in my, my head, I'm like a little bit of a control freak mode where I'm like, I want to know exactly what's happening in the next day, week, five years, 10 years by the time I die. Um, and so actually just being in a space where it's okay. It's okay not to know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Don't have to have all the answers. Yeah. It's a nice place this week, I Good think. mantra. And I'm going to take that for this week. Um, if you want to take that too and let us know what you're just not going to know this week how it works out for you do you know what we'd love to actually to know how you feel about our badass principle if it's working for you tweet us and tell us at talk radio or you can come talk to us during the rest of the week you can find all of us at badass women's hour hr on twitter instagram facebook all the socials or you can come and talk to us individually i'm at harriet minter nat at nat d campbell and emma at emma sexton the vampire strikes back badass women's hour excel on talk radio mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market 
budget. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.